Thanks so much for coming to Downtown Harbor Church. I'm super excited that you're here. If it's your first time here, uh, my name is Adam. I'm the lead communicator around here, and we just came off a phenomenal Easter Sunday. If you're back, um, we're so happy you're back. Thanks so much for being here. We are smack dab in the middle of this series called Take a Walk. Let me tell you about what that means. See, Take a Walk is this idea that Jesus walked along the earth, and he was a human being who lived on the earth, and there were people in his life who interacted with him during his time on Onto this earth. And so what we wanted to do for five weeks is we wanted to take a look at these people who walked alongside of him and take a look at their perspective for who he was and look at some stories about what happened to them when they were with him and around him. And last week we talked about Jesus himself. What did he say about himself and what happened on that Easter Sunday? And last week we kind of came to the conclusion together that Jesus is who he said that he was, that he predicted his own death and resurrection and that happened and then so, so we said okay we can understand and believe that he is who he said that he was but today and for the next couple of weeks we're going to take a look at a couple of Jesus's best buddies and what they had to say about him and their experiences with him and what things in their life were actually like so I'm super excited about that but let's first of all take a little walk down memory lane so I can kind of inform all of you about what was happening at the time where Jesus lived. Because these ancient Jewish people, people who had been around for thousands of years, there was a point in time when these people who had the first recorded history between God and man, there was a time when creation happened and these people were created. And then, right around the time of creation, sin and darkness and, 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 and darkness entered the world and evil entered the world and the people, creation kind of fell from God. This is what the scriptures tell us. And so these ancient Jewish people for thousands of years were waiting for a Messiah. A Messiah, which is a word that means a person who would come. And should you believe that this Messiah is who he says he is, that you would be made right again with God, that humanity would be again made right with God. And Jesus was claiming to be that Messiah. And he said, you want to kind of question me on that? Tell you what, I'll die and rise again. Then will you believe? What do you think about that? So Jesus was having these conversations throughout the time. And the Messiah, the person they had been waiting for forever, was finally here. But just as you would expect someone who's preaching this radical message about himself, and then furthermore, he would say, and then after you accept and believe this, here's what you should do. This is how simple it is. Go and love your neighbor as yourself. Go and treat others the way that you would want to be treated. That's how simple it is. This movement started to gain followers, and it started to gain traction, and people started to be compelled by it. This love your neighbor as yourself movement, this simple thing. And so what happened is, is Jesus started to gather some followers, people who would kind of surround them. He, they would surround Jesus. They would help him do things, okay? And those people who were Jesus's kind of closest followers, his best friends, were called disciples. Now, if you've been around church for a while, you've probably heard this word. If you're new to church, this might be a foreign concept to you. Let me explain to you what this word means. This word is just the idea that when someone starts something, a movement, that some people, the disciples, will begin listening to the movement and following the movement, and are, they're, they're, they're a part of it. They're helping make it happen. And so I'm just going to kind of describe them in layman's terms here just so we can all understand it as Jesus' best friends his closest allies, the people that he did life with, the people who were around him and helped him do the things that he needed to do. These people were super important, not only to probably him personally, but to the spreading of this message throughout 
the future and throughout the world. And so Jesus' disciples, his best buddies, his closest allies are who we're going to be talking about for the next three weeks. And today we're going to talk about a guy by the name of Thomas. Thomas, one of Jesus' best friends, one of his 12, because there were 12 of these disciples. Thomas was a guy who, let me tell you about this guy because he's so cool. He was just an average person. And that's why we like him. He was just your average run-of-the-mill guy. He wasn't necessarily a scholar or theologian. Or, he was just an average, average person. And Jesus chose him and said, hey, I want you to come in and help us do this. And if you've been around church for any length of time, just to give you perspective for who Thomas is, especially if you've been in the Catholic world for any length of time, you would know this guy by the name of St. Thomas. He is a guy who we're talking about who actually helped transform the world as we know it today. He's very important in the influential kind of time in history that spread this message, this love your neighbor as yourself message. But the reason we like him, because we feel like he's just an average guy. And you know who else we feel are just kind of like average people wanting to do good things, wanting to love their neighbor as themselves? The people who come to downtown Harbor Church. That's why we're so excited to talk about him today, because we actually see a lot of ourselves in Thomas. We see a lot of us in Thomas and what he struggled with and what he did, and it's all of us kind of doing this together. So we talk about a lot of people at Downtown Harbor Church. We talk about Paul, Peter, Jesus, Thomas, and you can kind of get them confused from time to time. So just kind of put Thomas, that name, put it in your mind and put it in the back of it, because I'm going to shift gears for a second and talk about now something that we're going to land on today. And this is an emotion that's so important. This is something that happens to all of us. All of us deal with this next word that I'm going to put on the screen. And at the end of this, I'm going to tie it all back to Thomas and how this all makes sense. So just stay with me on the journey that we're going to take today. Because this next emotion that I'm going to put up is something that actually kind of happens in all of us, and it, if it, it can take control of us, and it, it can be good, but it, it can, if it only leads to good things. So, but this is important for you to understand because this word is something that happens in every single one of our lives every single day. Doubts. Here's what I want you to know about doubt. Doubt is an emotion. Doubt is an emotion very similar to anxiety. Doubt is an emotion that you feel very, uh, very strongly. Some of us feel this very strong in our lives. And we kind of doubt everything, don't we? We doubt a lot of things. We doubt our relationships. Should I be in this relationship? I'm, I'm doubting this. Is this right for me? We doubt our jobs. Should I be in this job? Is this right for me? Or should I be somewhere else? We doubt spiritual things. We doubt all kinds of spiritual things that we've heard, that we've read. It might be a misconception. We, we doubt all kinds of things all the time. And here's the thing about doubt, which is kind of cool. And this is a little bit of a cheesy phrase that I'm about to put on the screen, but it's true. I find like this is something that happens to all of us. You don't make a date with doubt. Now, let me tell you what that means. You probably don't get up in the morning and go, I'm going to doubt at noon today. Let me put it on my calendar, and I'm going to make it a point at noon. I'm just going to deal with the doubt and what happens every single day. It's probably not what you do. Doubt is an emotion that kind of creeps into your life, right? Doubt is an emotion that is in the back of your mind or the back of your heart that is always there. And you're going, should I do this? What is this like? How do I respond to this? Doubt is there. And for all of us, even though we know that we don't want to deal with that long term, if we were honest with each other, we say that we probably deal with doubt on a daily basis, maybe multiple times per day. 
And when you deal with doubt, you actually ask yourself two questions related to the issue that you're dealing with. You ask yourself two questions and two questions that help us understand the perspective of doubt and how important it is. Here's the first one. Is it worth it? Is it worth it? Think about things in your life. Is it worth it? Is this relationship worth it? Is it going to last? Is this job worth it? Is, this, is my future worth it? Where I'm currently living in my living situation in my home, is this worth it? Or, do I, or am I doubting this? And when you doubt, you ask yourself this question. And this can be really, really cool. I just got to tell you. So uh, one of my best buddies of all time is in town from uh, St. Louis. And he came into town. Uh, he comes into town a couple of times a year with his girlfriend, Lindsay. And they, they're such good friends. And we get to hang out and... We always have a staple where we go to in terms of like the restaurant in town. Like we have a place, right? And so I was talking to him last week on the phone and he was like, what do we do? Do we go there or do we go someplace else? And we were kind of talking about a Seinfeld analogy. I said, I know, I get it. We could go there and it could be the same, but we know it's the same. Or do we go someplace else? And even if we go someplace else, it might not be as good. It's a gamble. I get it, right? We were doubting it. What do we do? Right? Is it worth it? Do we change our mind and is that worth it or do we not? Okay? But the second thing you ask yourself related to doubt is this. Is it true? Is it true? We ask ourselves, is it worth it or is it true? Because related to spiritual things, related to the Jesus movement, related to anything you've heard, there is a moment in your life where you kind of have to go, do I believe this? Do I not? Is this actually true? And you ask yourself about things that you hear all the time in, in culture, things on the news, things that you read, is it true? So this whole idea of doubt is like multifaceted and layered in our life. And every single one of us deals with it daily if we were to be honest. I told you about that guy named Thomas, right? I told you about the guy who walked alongside Jesus, one of his closest friends, one of his 12 closest best buddies. Thomas was a guy who also dealt with doubt. Let me say that again. A guy who walked with Jesus for three years and was his best friend and saw him perform miracles and was there for things that no other people in human history had seen struggle with doubt. Well, let me tell you about what happened to Thomas. Because Thomas was a guy, well, let me actually go back to last week for a second. Jesus predicted his own death and resurrection, and it happened, right? So then, we talked about this last week, there were Mary, it was at the tomb, and Mary was at the tomb, and Jesus appeared to them, and then Jesus went, you know, a distance, and he appeared to some of his disciples, some of those people who were his best friends. We talked about that on Easter Sunday last week, that Jesus actually made himself known, that what he said was going to happen, happened, and he was there. But when we pick up Thomas's story, let me tell you about this in the book of John, chapter 20, verse 24 through 29. It said, now Thomas, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So Jesus appeared to these disciples, and Thomas was not there. Where was he, you might ask? Publix? I don't know. Like, right? Like, in line for a chicken tender sub. I don't know where he was at, right? Here's what I'm telling you. Let me give you an aside here for a moment. If you remember months ago when I told that chicken tender sub story at Publix, right? My experience there, if you remember that, I just want to let you know I've been personally contacted by the manager of that organization, and the, the, the sales of those subs have gone through the roof since I've spoke on that. You just, need to, you just need to know that, okay? The line is out the door. I was there yesterday. You could not get one. Go back and listen. That's a joke, but nobody laughed. Okay, we're moving on. 
All right, so Thomas, right, he wasn't there. I don't know where he was, but he wasn't there. And so the other disciples, these other buddies, told him, hey, listen, we've seen the Lord. Jesus, what he said happened, happened. We saw, we saw him. But he said to them, don't miss this. But he said to him, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A guy who knew that this was going to happen, Thomas. Jesus told him that this was going to happen. One of his closest friends, a guy who had seen him do miraculous things, goes, uh-uh, it's not even good enough for me if I were to physically lay my eyes on him. I want to physically touch the wounds that are on his hands and on his side. I talked about crucifixion last week, an awful form of death where stakes or nails were driven through your hands and feet. And Thomas said, if I'm going to believe, if I'm going to buy this mumbo jumbo, I have to physically touch him first. Whew. Talk about doubt. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Now, this is another miraculous thing, the impossible becoming possible. And Jesus, who is now appearing to people before he would go back to this place that we describe as heaven, right? Jesus was appearing to people, and he said, peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas this, and it's so important for us to understand this. Then he said, put your finger in here. I can, I can almost see him before he says it going, come here, right? You, you, know, you know me, come here, put your finger in here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas then said to him, my Lord and my God. And then Jesus told him this. Because you have seen me, you have believed. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believe. Do you know who this is? Those who have not seen and are blessed because they might believe all of us. We've never seen. No person in this room has ever physically seen Jesus or laid our eyes on them. He's talking about us. But what I want you to get from this and what I want you to know is that just because Thomas doubted, something happened with Jesus. Because Jesus could have said, hey, buddy, you know who I am. I've been with you for a long time. I did this thing. I'm the one who had to suffer. You don't believe that I am who I say that I am, and you have to touch them. See you later. Jesus could have done that, but he did this instead. He didn't give up on them. And I want to talk about you for a second. Jesus doesn't give up on you if you doubt. He's a big boy, right? He doesn't give up on you if you doubt. Thomas didn't have everything figured out. He was struggling to believe that this impossible, miraculous thing happened and Jesus did not give up on him. Here's what I want you to know. Here's what I want everybody to just zone in with me in the room for a second because this is where we've gotten it wrong as the local church and it's the Jesus movement. This is how we've gotten it wrong. Churches have said, you, before you come in and be a part of us and engage with us, and I'm not talking about just sitting in a chair, I'm talking about engaging and getting to know people and being involved. We've said for too long, you have to have all your doubt figured out before you come in. 
not here. So you can have doubts and be a part of the Jesus movement. You can question things. You should. I do all the time. I have none of this figured out, right? I question everything. We're trying to figure all this out together. But I know this is that I can have doubts and still be a part of this love your neighbor as yourself movement. You can have doubts and do that. But here's where the tension comes in. Because I love tension. I love when you take a rubber band and try to pull it and it comes back because it's tension, right? It gets us going because we don't have the answers to every question. Here's what I love about you can have doubts and be a part of the Jesus movement. Jesus said, just don't do it. He said, don't do it. Well, if he said, don't do it, then why are you telling me I can have it? I'm going to unpack. Stay with me. There was a point in time where Jesus actually had his disciples gathered around, and it's a very moving and powerful piece of scripture that I want to kind of go through with you guys today. It's in Matthew chapter 21, verse 21. He told them, Jesus told them, I tell you the truth, if you have faith and don't doubt, you can do things like this and much more. What is he talking to when he says things? What is he talking about? I encourage you during the week to Google this if you want to. It's something that has to do with a fig tree. It's a great study if you just want to look something up during the week. He's talking about that and much more. But then he said this, if you have faith and don't doubt, you can even say to this mountain, imagine a huge mountain in the background, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. Wait a second. Are you telling me that you want me to believe that, like, put my hand up in the air like a Jedi, right? I'm a Star Wars guy. Like, I just am, and I know that I'm a nerd, but I am. Like, I could, like, move that mountain, like, and in, in, put it into the sea. We believe that Jesus talked in a lot of metaphors and even may have used humor in this situation to use that with his disciples. He might have been joking with them. But what he was saying was this. If you let doubt consume you, you will never be able to fulfill your fullest potential here on earth. Meaning, you might not be able to do what you're supposed to do if you let doubt consume your life. If you let this thing called doubt land in your heart and ruin you, you may not ever be able to do what you're supposed to do. If you have faith and don't doubt, you might be able to move a mountain and put it in the sea. You have no idea what God will do through you. None. If you are consumed with doubt over and over again, you have no idea the potential you have to make a difference. I don't know if it's a business. I don't know if it's a community thing. I don't know if it's your own family. But even if you are uber successful, you still could be even more if you let go over time of that doubt. You have no idea what God will do through you. You are the only person who can do what you can do with what you have. Nobody has what you have. Nobody has your history. Nobody has your family. Nobody has your business experience. No one. You are a unique creation and can do amazing things. But if you are consumed with doubt all day, every day, it will never happen. You have no idea what God will do through you, but you can't do it if you're swallowed up by doubt. So there's tension there's a lot of tension here because it's a human nature daily instinct to doubt. It is something that is inside every one of us to funnel our decisions both here and spiritual decisions through these two questions. Is it worth it? 
or is it true? So let me ask you a question real quick. Is it worth it? And is it true? Let's talk about that for a moment related to Jesus, the Jesus movement, and being a part of a local church like Downtown Harbor Church. Here's the cool thing. Even if you say no and no, the best thing about that is we've created a church where we still want you to come here anyway because we're a part of this movement together where we're trying to just be in our community, in and of our community. But here's a question that you have to ask yourself. Here's a question that you have to wrestle with, and you are going to have to come up with an answer to it at one point in time or another. If not Jesus, then who? If it's not him, the guy who predicted his own death and resurrection, and that's not true, and that's not worth it, you have to answer this in some way in your own life. Is this, if it's not Jesus, then who? And so you might have an answer to that. You might go, it's me, it's my community, whatever it is. But here's the deal. You have to figure out what the answer to this question is. So we got to go back. Is it worth it? I say yes. Is it true? I say yes. Because I've searched for the answer to this question and I can't find it. But here's what I'll tell you. I kind of want to talk about doubt for a second. And what I've felt in my experience with church, my experience as a part of this movement. My experience has been this, is that we've been taught that our faith is like a house of cards. You ever made a house of cards before? It's the most frustrating thing in the world to do, right? You're like, I, I can't eat, like, I don't even know what to say. So we've been taught our faith is like a house of cards. And every one of those 52 cards is a piece of the faith. And if you take one card out, every single thing comes crumbling down. Every single piece of your faith comes crumbling down. Let me, let me just give you a couple examples. So, Adam, I don't believe that creation happened in seven physical days. I just don't. Okay? It's okay. I don't know that this book of Revelation that predicts the end of all things is actually going to happen the way it says it's going to happen. I don't know about that. I don't, I don't get it. Okay? Just because you are trying to find the answers to every single one of your questions does not mean you can't be a part of the Jesus movement. And just because you may find an answer that you don't like, it doesn't mean that your faith comes crashing down all at once. That's where the tension is. And let me tell you guys something. I've been told my entire life by churches that if you don't check the box and you don't say yes to this, and you doubt this, or you question that, or even if you've said, I don't know that I believe that, you're out. You can't come be a part of what we're doing. And we were so broken by that. We were so hurt by that. We had had so many friends and family who'd been hurt and broken by that, that we had no other choice to start Downtown Harbor Church. We had no other choice. We want people who come in here to bring your doubt. We want you to bring all of it. We want you to bring it and set it in front of you and meet with people who you would have coffee with or go out with and talk about it and engage with them. Bring it all. And you know people who struggle with the same doubts that you have. You do. You've talked about it before. Bring them with you and tell them to bring theirs. A lot of churches have church membership You've probably heard of that. If you haven't, it's this thing that was created. And basically, you have to sign on the dotted line to say you're affiliated with the organization. And before you sign, 
there's a checklist of however many things that exist that you have to say yes to before you sign on that dotted line. And if you don't sign on that dotted line, you can't be in. Sure, you can sit in the seat, but you can't engage. We can't let you volunteer. We definitely can't let you on any kind of leap. Why we created Downtown Harbor Church was to remove all of those things that we just couldn't stand. We created Downtown Harbor Church because there is no line to sign on. Because you come just as you are and you bring all your doubt with you. And here's what I want you to know. At the end of the day, you're going to have doubts. Every single person did. And you need to let doubt strengthen your faith, not destroy it. So many people give up. And they give up because the church got it wrong. Jesus didn't get it wrong. He went after Thomas when Thomas said, I don't believe. The church stiff arms. Jesus pursues. Let doubt strengthen your faith, not destroy it. Bring it. You have it. I have it. You are never going to have every single thing figured out. Don't miss this. Never. But who wouldn't want to be a part of a movement where we all kind of got in a room together, put our hands in the middle and said, you know what? This city, this community, people I know are hurting. People I know need help. And you know what Jesus told us to do at the end of the day? He said, now go love your neighbor as yourself. Don't sit in here all week and just get more knowledge. Go out and do something about it. It's okay to have doubts. Your doubts only help strengthen your faith. At the end of the day, hear me loud and clear. This is the reason we started Downtown Harbor Church. This is why we did what we did. Because I could not sit back for one more day and not watch another friend or family member have an opportunity to engage with the church, maybe for the first time. If I surveyed the room right now, every single one of you could tell me what your doubts are, at least on the surface level about faith or whatever. We could all, we all do that. Instead of saying, okay, it's going to send me out the door, let the doubt send you in the door. We can all do this together. It can help strengthen your faith. Because if Thomas had doubts, somebody who walked with Jesus and lived with Jesus and talked with Jesus and helped perform miracles, if Thomas had doubts, so can you. So can I. Let me pray for us. Dear God, thanks so much for who you are and what you do. And I just am so thankful for this message here today about this real thing that every one of us deals with called doubt. My faith is not a house of cards. And I'm so sorry that anyone here has been told that before. I pray that you would work through each one of us. I pray that you would help us to sort this out, that you would help us to be a community of people who got to know each other and maybe even disagreed, but just did this together, understanding that you are who you say that you are. And God, I just pray that you would allow Downtown Harbor Church to be the church in town where our folks say to each other, hey, listen, you're dealing with that? Me too, or I dealt with it. It's the place to go. Help us to do that today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.